Okay, what happens is, is um, when an IPO is, is uh, going public, they can't, um, you know like on the open market when stocks are trading, analysts will come out and say, I'm giving this a buy rating, I'm giving this a strong buy. Um, they're not allowed to do that for IPOs for 30 days following the offering. So when an IPO comes out, you're not gonna hear buy strong buy any of that. The quiet period is that period of time where nobody can say, give the recommendations. When that expires, you'll hear, um, you know, that we, we give a strong buy, whatever. And uh, so the two important dates are the lockup date and the, and the quiet period. A lot, of, in the past, the, the quiet period, what would happen is when the quiet period ended, obviously the, the, per, the underwriter that did the deal is gonna come out and say, buy. You know, they, <laughs> They underwrote this, you know, they're not going to come out and say, we, we helped this company go public, it's a sell. <laughs> it's a strong, strong sell. So you're going to get, and that used to help launch the stock more in the past. Quiet period isn't, we, we've found it's not as effective at, at launching a stock because everybody knows it's going to come out as a buy or strong buy, whatever. So it, we don't use that as much, but the lockup, the lockup date certainly is. So the prospectus, and then, uh, yeah, hit that, uh, Prospectus is where we do all of our, um, yes, Osman.com, and yeah. in the back corner, sir. Second place that you can go is uh, analysts that provide ratings. This is what we consider the top analysts out there. Um, Francis Gaskins does core fundamental analysis like we do. He looks at the prospectuses, he grinds through them. Um, and he is, his rating is, um, when he rates a business, he does on a scale A, B, C, D. He has like A plus, A minus, B plus. But um, his, when he looks at it, he looks at, is this company gonna be around in two to three years? He's looking long term, does he like these companies long term? Um, Irv DeGraw, John Fitzgibbon, um, they work for World Finance Net. It's not WFN.com, it's World Finance Net, the whole word, all one word, dot com. Um, that's another place that has a calendar. They do what's called the street scoop. This first guy on the top is long term. The second people on the list is short term. Their, their pick is how is this company going to do on the first day, basically. And they rate it on one to five stars. They use stars. Um, uh, Worldfinancenet.com is a company. Francis Gaskins is an independent, but he's a company as well. Excuse me? No. Um, the question was, are these underwriters or independent people? These are just, these are independents analyzing IPOs. Um, and then we put ours on there. The, the first one was long-term, the second one is short-term. On our calendar, we have short-term and long-term, because it's, um, it's fairly easy to determine what these are going to do in the short term. Um, and I will go back to the ratings and what we use for short term and what we use for long term. Um, I had the, this criteria is, is our ratings criteria, which I went over on the website with that link on the left, and you can go to. And the last one, he's a subscription service. His name is David Menlo, ipofinancial.com. And uh, he's got a fairly expensive service, um, but he's... Uh, He's really knowledgeable. He's been in the business a really long time. 
Um, and his, his ratings we like as well. So uh, The third place we go to is information websites. The first is basically the SEC database websites. That's a prospectus online. The second one is financial porter, portals, you know, and then other IPO sites. Um, if you want to know where all the IPO websites are on the web rather than cruise all over, um, there's some IPO directories out there. I'm not going to say who the best are. We do have one that you can use. As far as I know, we are the biggest out on the web. Anytime we find out about a, a brand new IPO company of any kind, whether it's information or data or um, colleges that have departments that publish things on IPOs, we have a foreign IPOs, um, non-US investing. We have different categories. We, we put them all in this database, and you can um, search by you know, non-US, academia, analysts, um, data. I'll, I could show you that if you'd like to see. But anyway, we have a directory, but the, primarily that Osman's Alert IPO, osman.com. Okay, and then the last place is uh, the event media, articles and hype. And I'm only, I'm really only bringing this up because, you know, CNBC, you get coverage. Whenever, like, UPS went public, there was, everywhere you looked, you know, the UPS IPO, the biggest IPO ever. And, and you know, if you're, if you're an investor that doesn't know a lot, whole lot about IPO investing, um, some of these huge IPOs that come public, you're going to hear about, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you as an investor to profit from. So you have to take the event media with a grain of salt, and that's why I put it up there. There's, there's some good information that you can get from the things that they say, but there's a lot of hype, and you need to be able to filter through the hype. The, the important things that you look at are the things that I showed you, the prospectus, and then if you, and you come up with your, what you think, and then you, you know, if you'd like to compare your opinion of the company with what some of the other analysts think, I provided you some names of a few analysts that you can go to and, and see if it compares with, with what you think. Okay, next one. Okay, keys to successful research, um, your goal, uh, matching your goals with your research. If, you, if you're going to plan on buying this and you're just out to make a kill and dump it the next day, um, and, all you're gonna, and you're not really going to get into the business fundamentals, you're just in this from an in and out kind of standpoint, you know, how much, you're probably going to spend a lot more time if you're going to buy this and hold it for longer than a day. If you're going to hold these things for a long term, um, then you need to hit that prospectus really, really hard. If you're not hitting them for the long term, there's other techniques, there's other resources that I showed you where you can go and get quicker information. Um, and then my last comment on research before we go to the next session is having a good understanding of the emerging technologies um, and being able to correctly identify that they're going to be one, profitable, and two, they're going to be able to gain some kind of foothold in the, in the marketplace. That's key to successful IPO research and investing, okay? And there's, there's really no shortcut to it unless you want to take somebody else's opinion. You can certainly go to the other sites and do what you want. I can't tell you what or what not to do. But there's no substitute for doing, doing the fundamental research. You can go to the, get the quick hit on the prospectus, kind of see what they're about. And my personal opinion is that will spill over. The knowledge that you gain from, you're on the cutting edge of all the new technologies and the new companies that are going to be driving our future, our world. And so you're going to find out about Cisco you're, you know, you're, uh, handspring, you're going to find out about that 
four months before it hits 80. You know, you're going to know about these companies, and then all of a sudden the media is going to start talking about handspring. <laughs> you're going to say, come on, you know, that's like old news. Let's talk about something real. So, so there's, there's, some, there's some nice benefits to IPO investing. Um, that's one of them. Okay, let's buy an IPO. Um, where to open an account, the process, and then some, some tips and strategies. Okay, this is in your material. The online banks where you can get IPOs, with Capital, E-Trade, they're now merged into one. Um, the accounts have merged, so with Capital, E-Trade is, is the uh, biggest place. FBR.com is a, a division of Friedman's Billings Ramsey, um, and they do a lot of underwriting. They also have they offer IPOs to individual investors. I think you need a minimum of $2,000 to open an account. WIT Capital E trades $2,000 as well. IPO Syndicate is one that's starting to, starting to come up. They're going to try to kind of step in where WIT Capital took, uh, took off, I think. See, what, what WIT Capital did is they sold all their online accounts to E-Trade. So now all the WIT Capital accounts are E-Trade. So now you've really got, you've got, <coughs> excuse me, WIT Capital and E-Trade. They were neck and neck, and now they're, they're one. So you've got to be. And then on the right-hand side is um, some of the more traditional places. These are the, the ones on the left are kind of new online banks. You know, you've got Fidelity, Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter, DLJ Direct, Merrill Lynch, Calix Brown, Lehman Brothers. Um, this is the funding, allocation, and flipping policies of each of the banks that are listed on the left. If we just look at, we'll just look at E-Trade. The minimum deposit is $2,000. Okay, their flipping policy. Does everyone know what flipping is? Who doesn't? You know, okay. Um, when you get an IPO at the offering price, the online banks want you to hold, well, the banks that give you the shares want you to hold those shares for a certain period of time. If you, you can sell before if you want, but if you do, they say you're a flipper. You flip them for profit. And so sometimes, as you can see, if you flip, there's no penalty. There's certain places that doesn't matter. But there's other places where it does matter, and um, E-Trade is one of those that where it does. If you you must hold it for 30 days, that's their policy. If you sell it, you're out of the IPO allocation list. You can't get IPOs for 60 days from the offering date. Um, um, here's the way that it works. This is the only slide for this. Um, banks that offer IPOs usually have an IPO page. When a new offering comes available, they'll post it on there and they'll say, "We're taking offers." And you could go there and place your offer, okay? Usually there's a short window to place that offer. So you have to be monitoring these banks, which can be a pain. Um, what you do, though, is you go there and you place your, it's called a conditional offer. You know, when, you, when you're, you're making a trade as an investor on a market, you, you make the trade and it's going to happen. <laughs> when you make an IPO offer, it's, you know, when you make an IPO, when you place an indication of interest, it's a conditional offer. It's a, it's conditional if, they, if you get shares. Like, I'm going to buy it if you'll give it to me. That's why they call it a conditional offer. And there's usually a time window. And, the, and um, then the next step that happens is the day before it trades, the IPO will price. And then, then it's going to start trading the next morning. If it, if it prices, if the range is 8 to 10 and it prices within the range, then typically you don't need to do anything. If your offer is in there and it prices within the range, you'll get shares or you won't get shares. The process goes through. If it prices outside the range, a lot of times the bank will send you an email or you just have to know 
that are priced outside the range, and you have to go what they call reconfirm. Basically say, it priced outside the range, but that's okay with me, I still want it, okay? And as, as we looked at, well, you're, I'm gonna show you in a minute, price range reductions and price range revisions. Um, that's when price range um, revisions upward occur, you wanna, re that, uh, that's, that's typically a really good sign. So it's um, one of the things we've done to help that, because two of the things on here mean that you have to go to the bank and watch the page. They post their new offerings, that means you always gotta go check. And the second thing is, um, when, it, when the thing prices, if it's outside the range, you gotta know that it priced, you gotta know it priced outside the range, you gotta know to go back to reconfirm, they don't always send you an email. Some banks do, some banks don't. So what we did is we, we, we just did a, a deal with um, this company called eWebWatch.com and it's on the, on the website, but whenever a bank posts a new offering or whenever there's a pricing reconfirmation that has to happen, you'll get an email. It's a free service that if you come to our site and sign up, you'll get these alerts. Now, the, our database is getting bigger, well, not our database, this company's database is getting bigger and bigger, so what they do is if you wanna be like first in line in notification, they have a subscription where you pay 6.95 or something, um, but the database isn't so huge that you know you get you get timely notification whether it's free or not. But it's a it's a if you're an active IPO investor, it's a it's a really good service to use. I'm going to zip through, so I'm going to ask a hold of questions to the end if that's okay. This is good stuff anyway. Okay, so buy or not a few few tips. Um, no historical charts, so it's going through the prospectus and looking at the analysts and doing those kinds of things beforehand. Um, Short-term performance indicators. Postponements, ones that keeps getting pushed, uh, keep getting pushed back, or th those aren't good. Broken deals, IPOs that come out and fall below the price, those are called broken deals, those aren't good. Um, the pricing effect is the next thing I wanna talk about, and um, let's skip that stuff. Next slide. Okay, here's an example of, of what this pricing effect is. Everyone's heard of free markets probably. Here's uh, that Osman news, remember the news? This is what that is, pasted in here, okay? They filed for IPO. Price range was 14 to 16 shares, or 14, $16 a share, 3.5 million shares. They increased the shares to 4 million, okay? Then on the 16th, they decreased the shares. I, I, that's weird, I've never seen anything like, that's the only company I've ever seen that to, I don't. Because then the next thing that happened is they have 14 to 16, they increased it to 40 to 42, okay. Obviously, this is a hot, hot IPO. Priced, then it priced outside the range, so you would have had to reconfirm at $48 a share. It began trading the next day and closed at 280. So price range revisions that go up like that are certainly strong indicators that it's gonna do well. That's one of, the, that's one of your indicators. I, I don't, I'm sorry, I, this is a really different presentation because the other ones, you look at like bar charts and say this is an indicator. These are uh, text indicators you gotta look at. Personally, I didn't. I know a lot of people that did. <laughs> okay, next slide. Okay, upward revisions, I've got some stats for you, just so you can, you're asking like percentage, how much, when does, how often does this happen? Here's a good one I did do. Actually, we got this information from, I think it's Jay Ritter, who's a professor in uh, economics in Florida, finance, economics, finance. Um, percentage, uh, first day gain. Okay, when there's an upward price revision between 1990 and 1998, this is a percentage of IPOs and their, and their percent gain. And you'll notice on the upward revisions, here's zero, and then you'll look, when there's an upward revision, it, it skews to that side. This is between 1990 and 1998. Do the next slide real quick. 
This one is 1999. You can see how it's getting more dramatic as, as individual investors are coming into the game. Look at this, upward revisions, 45% um, jumped over 100% when there was an upward revision. I know people that invest in IPOs that that's, they don't care about anything else. All they do is they look it up, they say, I want every IPO that does an upward revision. That's how they invest. I wouldn't recommend that, but, but as you can tell from some of the percentages here, uh, what is that, like 90% of them or more jumped 10% or higher the first day? So upward revisions are strong indicators on the same token. Downward revisions are strong indicators the other way. Um, you'll see there, there's a lot less to that side, and there's more around the middle, 0 to 10%. That's 1990 to 1998. Go to the next slide. 1999, you'll see. Uh, it, yeah, definitely favors the negative side, downward price range division, and a lot of people invest in that way, invest in IPOs that way. They look at price range divisions, and that's a very strong indicator. The next slide. Okay. Uh, the next one. From time to time, you know, if you can't get at the offering price, what do you do? What do you suggest about doing in the aftermarket? Um, the IPOs follow the NASDAQ. When the NASDAQ is hot, IPOs tend to do well. When the NASDAQ's not, IPOs tend not to do well. And, and as the NASDAQ performs, so IPOs typically follow. So I would say the nice strategies that you use, and everybody's got their own styles, so I, I'm not going to give you a specific one, um, but they work on IPOs. Some of them do. There are certain ones that, that I like better than others, but I don't want to impose my opinions on you. So, um, I want to go through these three charts real quick. Um, the one is the hot IPO moonshot. That's the one that comes out and goes straight up. And then you're going to see price de decline. There's rules against shorting because obviously everybody would be shorting IPOs on the first day every day. Um, the second one, well, the, the third one's a dud. We talked about broken deals because it's the ones that fall below the IPO. Sometimes they'll go up and they'll fall below the IPO. When IPOs go up and fall the I below the IPO, that's that's typically pretty bad. But the second one is what I, what I want to talk about. I'm glad we got to before I ran out of time. Um, I call it the quiet, slow, steady climber. I just, man, um, but it's in a down market when the market's tough. And we talked about when, I, when the IPO, when the NASDAQ is taking a beating, it's hard for, for new issues to come out. So you get, you get price slash reductions, so you get them cheap. And only the good ones or only, only a select few. I don't want to say only good ones because maybe a good one, not, a not so good one might make it out. But you get them cheaper than if the market was hot. And they tend to come out and not necessarily do a whole lot. So if you can't get them at the offering price, I love times like now. When, when, you probably hate me for saying that. When the market's taking a beating like this, I love it in the IPO market because there's deals that come out that I absolutely love that you can buy at a cheap rate all day. And then when the NASDAQ picks up, they tend to go with it. And they tend to, that, that first opening day moonshot that happens when the IPO market is hot, those happen later on. And they may not happen like this, but they get to that same $80 price over the course of a couple weeks as the NASDAQ climbs back in. And the, um, there's an article at our website. Rather than go into all this in detail, I've got, I've got stock names and charts and percentages. I've got dates that these stocks priced and what they did and then where they went. Okay, There's an article called, um, Even in a Down Market, IPOs Can Be Good Investment Opportunities. 
quite slow, steady climber. It's just a, a chart that goes slowly and quietly up as, as the market goes up. Sometimes they shoot up, but um, let's go to the next slide and see where we're at. Um, go to the next one. Oh, well, go back one real quick. Just at the bottom here, the significant dates, I said I was going to get to this. 25, I said 39. 25 days, quiet period, and lock up, okay? 180 days, that's in the prospectus. Go to the next one. This is a summary, which we already, go ahead, the next one. Okay, general tips. This is, a, this is where I'm going to end. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the future of IPO investing. Um, I'm just going to make one comment at the end, and that's where we'll end. Um, but everybody talks about diversifying. Okay, um, don't put all your money in this. It's not like you can anyway, because you can't get, typically you can't get a whole lot of shares. But I start out with $2,200. Okay, that's all I put in, because I'm pretty conservative. That's funny. <laughs> I tell people I'm a conservative investor and I invest in IPOs. It usually doesn't. It's kind of it's kind of like going to the online, online uh, or an investing seminar in in Vegas. It's the same kind of irony. Um, but anyway, you know, diversify. Another thing, paper trade. Get comfortable with it. If IPOs are brand new to you, don't don't just jump in. I mean, I, I you can pick up and learn a lot fast, but do some. You know, track them a little bit. See what you would invest in, and then see how they do. You know, and then. If you're, if you're not having good success in uh, getting IPOs at the offering price, especially now, watch what the IPOs do in the next couple weeks, okay? Watch when they come out. Watch what, Don't necessarily buy them. Just watch this. Next time the market goes south, you'll know what to do, or you'll, you'll know what not to do, okay? But this is a great time to be watching because you can see what can happen. Um, make a good first trade. It's, it's nice when you start out with $2,200 and in four hours you have 10000 It kind of gives you a nice cushion to fall back on and then, you know, as it keeps growing. Um, let the experts help you. I showed you a few of the resources, some of the analysts out there. Don't necessarily, if they say, I love this stock, it's an A-plus rating or it's a five-star or it's a four-hammer, don't necessarily take their word for it. Look for consensus and then listen to what they say. A lot of times you'll find commentary from the experts. Listen to what they say and learn why they like it, you know. Because you looked at the, it's the fundamentals that matter. So when they say they like it, see why they like it. Uh, there's a great program called IPO Hardball. It's Gaskins runs it. We've been on there before. We talk about the financials and all this kind of stuff. So you can get really good tips from there. Um, decipher the media hype. We talked about how big IPOs tend to bring up a lot of hype, and that's not necessarily so good. Multiple accounts at the same place, and then have multiple accounts at different banks. Um, or you can just go one big cash sum in one bank, and that's a good way. Um, use your day trading techniques to maximize your returns. You know, if you get them at the offering price, when to sell. Depends how long you're holding them. Also, entering and entry and exit points in the open market, um, I, I think apply. Not necessarily within the first couple days. I'm talking more after 30 days or 60 days. D dealing on the open market and IPOs in the first couple days, if you don't get them at the offering price, I think is Russian roulette. Um, IPO alerts, uh, like I said, there's, there can be a lot of monitoring that goes in, but use the, you know, use the resources to help you so you don't have to spend tons of time on this. And uh, don't go at it alone. If, uh, if you have other friends or if you can meet people in, in discussion forums that, that invest in IPOs, you know, pick their brains, see what they do. Go to the next one. Um, reality check, let's do this. Go ahead. Not, we talked about most of this stuff. I just want to reemphasize: it's not easy to get shares. It's they're scarce. It's difficult, um, and I want to paint that picture clear because you're going to put in an offer and you're not going to get it, and it's going to jump 
200%, and you're going to go, ah. So it can be frustrating. Remember, there's ways to maximize your returns with different accounts and, and learn from it, OK? And do what you can to increase your odds at, at getting uh, IPO shares. Um, you know, relationships are still in place. You can still get shares, but you're still talking small increments. Unless you're a multimillionaire, a lot of times if you have millions of dollars, you can go into a place like Morgan Stanley and say, I want to talk to the IPO person here that's in charge of distributing the shares. And if you've got two million, five million, sometimes you can, that's enough where they'll, they'll give you a lot more shares than trying to deal with reconfirming and all this kind of stuff. You're just going to get the shares. Let's see the next one. Okay. Uh, any questions on that? And then your question again was IPO Central. We don't we don't have any links to IPO Central. I think uh, I think they have some good information. Um, earlier in the presentation, I talked about uh, four primary information sources. That was um, that's an information IPO general information website, and and they would be considered in that group. We have um, if you're looking for all IPO information websites, we have a directory back on our homepage uh, where. back one more. Search our IPO directory. And then we've got a list of, you know, what do you want to, you want to know all the websites that are analysts. You want to know all the banks that offer IPOs. I want to know foreign, you know, uh, I, I'm, I live in Canada. Where can I get IPOs? The companies that are going public, uh, you know, the, the, the law firms that help companies go public, this kind of thing. But like, for example, um, the analysts will click there. And there's Gaskins, IPO Hardball, IPO Network. So you can always come. You can always come to this place and look for. If you're looking for IPO information, there's not an IPO website out there that that I know of that's not in our directory. And if you do come across one, please send me an email. We'll put it in. But I, I don't think there's any. There 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 is. Maybe, I'm not going to give you the names. There's maybe one or two um, that aren't on there, but they're not in there for a reason. I, I, I trade. I trade IPOs. I, um, I buy them at the offering price, and I have been getting more and more into um, on the open market. I, I've just been getting into the open market more because I'm doing it full time now. So I'm, I'm learning, uh, you know, like, like the IPOs in the down market and the, and the different opportunities that are available. So I'm, I'm doing that full time. We also, um, you know, just your basic dot com. This is, we don't, you know, we're, we're um, advertising and those kind of things. That's where we're getting our money. Yeah, I look for. Yeah, I look for. Um, did anybody see uh, David uh, Kwong speak? He he made some comments like, "I would love to own that stock at that price." To me, that's he thinks that's a good value, or the company considering the future growth. That's the way I interpret it. I don't know if that's what he was trying to say, but that's how I think. I look at Handspring. You've got palm trading in the 60s. You've got Handspring IPO that comes out at 20. It's a quiet market. It comes out and it doesn't do a whole lot. The guy that founded Handspring or is, is a founder of, of Palm. He's got a better, he's got a better product in a, you know, for connectivity and all that. You know, I would love to own Handspring at 25. 
So that a lot of this is just basic fundamental knowledge of, and that's why I say we use, we use competitors a lot in understanding good value because that, 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 kind of, that kind of decision can be made. I would love to own that considering. Okay, yeah, I, I'm done. Uh, so thanks for coming. I hope you, I hope you learned something and maybe can apply some of these in the aftermarket. And I'm going to be around the rest of the weekend if you've got any questions. So.